Come on, everybody. Here we go. Off to Neverland. Welcome to Detour to Neverland. Just a little bit of pixie dust. Where we interview Disneyers to discover unique ways to express your love for Disney. Think of the happiest thing. Now here's your host, Brendan Wright. Welcome back to Detour to Neverland. With us today is Matthew Kroll from the Imagineer Podcast. Now, the Imagineer Podcast is one of my absolute favorite podcasts in general, and especially one of my favorite Disney podcasts. Matthew has such a unique and thoughtful way of going through different Disney topics and be able to share those with his listeners. So, Matthew, thank you so much for joining us today. For people who aren't as familiar with your podcast, go ahead and tell us a little bit about what you guys are all about. Yeah, of course. And Brendan, thank you so much for having me on the show. Uh, as you said, I, I'm Matt. I run the Imagineer podcast, and our official tagline is uh, we cover all things Disney. So we talk about primarily the Disney, the Disney parks and sets, what our audience, uh, a lot of my Disney friends are primarily interested in. But then we also talk about the movies. We have episodes where we talk about Pixar and Star Wars, what our favorites are. We have a, an episode that I got a lot of feedback about that's our favorite Disney soundtracks and I'll either I do a combination of episodes different types of things where we'll either have a discussion where I like to make the listeners feel like they're sitting at a dining room table or you know a kitchen table or in a living room with a group of Disney friends talking about a topic and then give them the chance to continue that conversation outside the podcast through our social media channels or we'll have episodes that are a little bit more um, edutainment in the spirit of Epcot, where we'll talk about attractions, the backstory, some fun facts that listeners might not have known about these attractions. I try to find as many interesting gems as I can, and we'll, in many cases, share real 360-degree audio of the full attraction experience, which is entertaining for those who have been on those attractions before, even if they haven't, just to give them something to remember what that attraction is like or understand what the attraction is like and get that, uh, you know, you can close your eyes and feel like you're really there in the, in the middle of the magic. So that's roughly what our podcast is all about. And everything that we do is just in the spirit of positivity and Disney friendship and, um, you know, trying to bring, I know there's a lot of Disney podcasts out there, which I know, Brendan, you've talked about before, but try to give a, a different angle and keep the episodes fresh and light and just a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. And I can attest to that because the way that the Imagineer podcast um, has played itself into my life is that I found that it's kind of the perfect podcast to put in while I'm working on something that's a little bit mindless or um, on my drive to work, that it's a really engaging podcast where you do present those kind of off-the-wall facts where you had to do a little bit of research to find those, and, and they aren't just common knowledge in the Disney community. So it, I, I absolutely love listening to your podcast, and, and I really appreciate the approach that you take to covering these Disney topics. Oh, thank you. I'm glad, I'm glad you enjoyed it so far. <laughs> absolutely. You're welcome. So to start it off, I want to turn it back a little bit and learn where did your love for Disney and the park specifically begin, and how has that evolved over time to get you to this point? I think it goes back literally to the very beginning. I remember, I, I don't personally remember, but my, because that would be crazy, but my family 
took me, my parents um, took me to Walt Disney World for the first time when I was four months old. And that I really believe is how far back this love of Disney goes because as my mom tells it, and they, I should add, we didn't just go to Walt Disney World to go to Walt Disney World. I actually had my great grandmother who was still alive at the time living in Florida. And so by extension, we, we went down to visit her when I was you know, newly born. It was her first great grandchild. And uh, then we went to uh, the Magic Kingdom and to Epcot. And my mom tells the story that I was on It's a Small World and my eyes were just bugging out of my face, like absorbing every single detail. And I think that just from the very early age of not even being able to remember it um, subconsciously, I just loved that whole environment. Uh, and as I grew older, my family continued to go back to Walt Disney World. I didn't go to Disneyland until I was probably about 12 years old. We made a trip to California to go there, and that was an amazing experience in itself at that point being a Disney fan, but primarily going down to uh, to Walt Disney World since we are on the East Coast and I grew up in New York. And I really felt this love for Disney. And as I was getting older, I wanted to know more and more about how everything works. And the more I learned about the behind the scenes part of the magic, I know for some people, they don't like that part. They want to be just completely immersed and they don't want to understand how the magic works. They just want to believe in the magic and I always love that, but you know, I find it even more amazing to understand what makes that tick, um, what makes Disney tick. And so I just learned as much as I could. And funny story, I don't think I've even told on my own podcast, but when I was 12 years old, um, I, or even earlier than that, I actually wrote a letter to Roy E. Disney. Um, and this was like pre-email, so I literally just uh, you know, I typed it up on my computer, my parents' computer, printed it out, signed it, mailed it. And about three weeks later, got um, a letter back signed by Roy Disney. And it was personalized, like truly personalized um, to everything I had written to him. So it wasn't like a prefabricated letter. And um, I still keep that literally hung up on my wall. Um, in, that, in that letter, because I had told him I wanted to work for Disney one day, he just offered me a lot of encouragement and advice to a young kid. And when I was 18, I applied to the Disney College program almost as soon as I possibly could when I was in college. And I got accepted and got to work for Disney on the Disney College program, working at Kilimanjaro Safaris, which is an amazing, absolutely amazing experience. And uh, after that, I stayed as a seasonal cast member, which I know a lot of cast members at the time were doing. It's about 10 years ago. Um, and then went back in grad school for a professional internship with Disney. Uh, working in a, a marketing capacity, which is what my degree was in. And just everything I've learned, um, you know, as I've grown older about Disney, I've, I've just loved. And the more, I, the older I get, the more often I want to go. Uh, it never gets old. So for the podcast, it's something that I always wanted to pursue. I listened to a lot of Disney podcasts out there. And I know that you had mentioned before how you listen to WDW Radio. I call Lou the godfather of Disney podcasts because he's just, you know, he kind of started that whole uh, industry for us and, um, you know, still is doing it today and is amazing at what he does. So I wanted to, and I listen to other Disney podcasts too, but just wanted to bring my own fresh perspective as someone who had been not only a fan, but a cast member and provide a podcast that kind of mixes a little bit of, um, you know, Disney fandom, but present it in a way that a Disney cast member might. Um, so that's kind of how I found my angle and I've just started doing it and, you know, it's not, I have a full-time job. So this is just something I do for fun on the side and as a hobby and absolutely love it. Love the friendships I've built through it. And that's kind of just how I started was just 
having a love to do it and starting to do it. It's interesting that you mentioned that because I've asked a lot of my guests that and a lot of people and myself included, um, you know, have this love for Disney as a child, then kind of go on a hiatus or grow out of it a little bit um, during, you know, teenage years and then fall back in love with it as a young adult. But you had that burning passion all the way through. And, and I think that's really unique. Do you think that that letter from Roy really helped cement that that was the path that you were going to go down? I think it helps for sure. Uh, I'm sure that even if he had, he had not written the letter back, I would have probably always loved that. Uh, always loved Disney. Um, I mean, even when I was a kid, I loved specifically Imagineering, which is no surprise that our podcast is called the Imagineer Podcast. But I would, you know, as a three, four, five-year-old, love to build train sets. And um, as I got older, like I wanted to build more intricate uh, trains. And like I love those, the Disney monorail set that you could buy at Walt Disney World or Disneyland. Um, I'd want to just make these, you know, really intricate designs. And I read Imagineering books. And I think I just had this natural tendency to love engineering and even though I pursued a different path career-wise um always maintain that as a hobby and even a lot of Disney fans love Roller Coaster Tycoon like I got really immersed into the Roller Coaster Tycoon universe and uh I think that helped to also cement my love for Disney. So you mentioned that you kind of immersed yourself in all things Disney at some point so I'm interested in how does that look on a day-to-day basis now are you more interested in the historical aspect of Disney, or do you still look at it from an Imagineer aspect? How does that look now uh, with your current setup in order to continue to expand your Disney knowledge base? Yeah, I think I definitely have a bit more knowledge having been a cast member as to what makes Disney tick. Uh, Being now, you know, no longer being a a cast member, uh, I don't have quite as much access to understanding what's going to happen in the future and what Disney is developing now. My knowledge is the same as anybody else's, but for me, it's just continuing to read books. Even if I want to know a history of a particular attraction or forget a detail, because occasionally I really do forget details. There's just so many. Um, I'll just look it up and, uh, and see. It's just something that I'm naturally curious about. And even, I mean, as an example, I'm still trying to figure out, and if I were working for Disney, I might know, how that avatar animatronic works in uh, Flight of Passage in the queue. I still don't know, but it's something like I'm constantly looking on the internet to see like maybe somebody has something about it. I just haven't found it. Um, but that's just something I, I continue to look things up as I'm curious about them. And, um, you know, Walt talks about curiosity leading us to, down new paths, and I definitely try to stick to that. So obviously for both of us, podcasting is the main platform that we want to reach our audience on. Uh, but you specifically use Instagram very well, I believe, and you're using all the features of it, including live and using your stories as well. Um, what I'm interested in, and even as we speak uh, tomorrow or when we record this, tomorrow morning you have an Instagram Live over coffee to discuss Disney topics. So I'm interested, what are your goals to using Instagram? Is it just to further those discussions with your audience outside of a podcast? I think part of it is just knowing that people are heavily using Instagram. I'm personally curious about Instagram and, um, you know, having a, I guess that's where the degree in marketing comes into play. And I actually specialize in social media. So I know Instagram's, especially for this audience, the place to be. Um, and I tried out different platforms, Facebook, we're still on Facebook, Instagram, um, YouTube, Twitter, but I found that 
you know, the best conversations were happening on Instagram. And especially when I would post something, um, those were the, where the conversations were happening. So I knew that was the avenue to pursue, at least for my podcast. And it might differ from, from one Disney, uh, community to another, but I found that when I posted an image and provided an interesting piece of knowledge or even lately people have been really loving some hidden Mickeys. So I've been posting some more hidden Mickeys and uh, really unique ones that people might not have known before. I find it's a great way to really build conversations. And part of the thing I like to do is like, I want my podcast to be really personal uh, and I want it to feel like you're building um, Disney friendships with other people. And then even with, with the podcast. So I'm responding to just about every single comment in there, um, asking fob questions or um, per, like providing personal responses to everybody, um, communicating through direct message. And it's just a way to really make you feel like the podcast is not just a one-way channel, but a two-way conversation. And then with Instagram Live, that's taking it a step further. I know a lot of people do Instagram Live from Disney. I'm not as uh, fortunate to have the ability to go to Disney as often as I used to, um, you know, being up in New York now. But uh, I find that regardless, just having an, an awesome conversation about Disney, something that not everybody can do at, at home because you might not have family and friends that are as huge Disney nerds as you um, or as me. So it gives you that outlet to be able to just talk about Disney in an hour, an hour and a half and uh, ask questions, share your opinions and ideas, hear from what other people have experienced and what their thoughts are about Disney. So um, I haven't done Instagram Live too much, but it's something that I've been seeing people have been asking for. So people ask for it, I'm going to do it. So that's what we're doing now. Absolutely. And I think you do a great job of engaging um, your audience on Instagram as a platform. I mean, the other day when you were posting some hidden Mickeys, um, and specifically the one that was in Ariel's Grotto in Magic yeah. Kingdom, my wife and I sat there and we looked at, at it for like 30 minutes and we just thought, where in the world <laughs> is this thing? Like, where are we going to be able to find this? And, you know, then you posted the answer uh, later. And so I think that really is a great channel of, like you said, of keeping the conversation open, keeping it personable uh, to be able to get to know your listeners. Yeah, definitely try to do that. I'm, I'm, it's funny, you, you spent about a half hour on it because I originally, even if you're there physically in person, it takes a while to figure out the exact right place to stand for that one. Um, it's it's a probably the most like intricate, and it's, it's a hidden Steamboat Willie. I mean, it's like, it's the most intricate hidden Mickey I've found that you really need to be standing at a very particular place um, at just the right angle in order to see it. Otherwise, it just looks like a bunch of rocks. If we're going to give a tip uh, to someone who's going to go look it up during the middle of this episode, uh, the key for me was if I if you can find the pants, then you can really see. If you can see Mickey's pants, that's the key to getting it all to, to unlock. <laughs> yeah, I encourage our listeners to go over there and check it out if uh, they haven't already. But next, I want to talk about now that you're in New York and you don't have as easy access to the parks as you used to, especially as a cast member, how often, what's your schedule look like now? How often are you able to get to the parks? And additional to that, once you are at the parks, have you noticed that it changes, has it changed how you visit the parks? Um, you know, post your cast member experience and now as a podcast host, trying to get that content to share with your listeners. So I go to the parks a minimum of once a year. I also try to throw in Disneyland every two years. It's a bit more of an expensive trip to travel to the West Coast between the plane fare and staying in L.A. is, is more expensive. Um, so 
I will typically go twice a year, either twice to Walt Disney World or once to Walt Disney World, once to Disneyland. Some years I'll only go once to Disneyland and I won't visit Walt Disney World. But lately I'd say it's probably about twice a year. If I can stretch it to three, I'm happy. And so that makes it more important for me when I am there to soak in the magic as much as possible. And at the same time, get the content that um, you know I want all the listeners to have for the podcast and for Instagram and Facebook. So it's this balancing act of being present but also getting the content that uh, everyone would like to see on the Imagineer podcast. As far as post-cast member, as a cast member, it's definitely a different experience, and especially if you're working and living in Walt Disney World, because it becomes your own backyard, your own playground. So much like you would go to the mall or go to your local park in your neighborhood, that's the how conveniently you can visit Walt Disney World. And for the most part, cast members who work there get free access to the park. So there were days I would just be feeling either blue or just need a little pick-me-up or I was feeling great and regardless wanted to go. And I would just go into Epcot after work at the end of the day or uh, run errands on my day off and then go into the parks or vice versa. And it could just be for a simple one attraction. Um, You know, if I were even working there now, I'm sure there were days that I would decide to look for a, a you know a, a fast pass for Soren or Flight of Passage or Space Mountain and see what opens up and if it does just go in do that attraction maybe walk around a little bit and then head out postcast member it goes back to being a typical um, you know guest who doesn't live in Orlando where I when I'm away from the parks I'm going to do everything I can just to when I am feeling like I, I need a little bit of Disney in my life to either listen to some Disney music or watch videos on YouTube. And it could be even as simple as, and I think you talked about this, Brendan, just going to a YouTube video of walking through Epcot. That's an hour and 30 minutes of literally just walking through Epcot. And that's enough for me. Um, in fact, at work, I will list, I will put on either YouTube or um, usually actually primarily on YouTube, background music from the parks. Um, if I feel like being in uh, Animal Kingdom, I'll look up the background music to the Oasis or to uh, Africa or you know, put myself into the Otten Beach Club and just be in that state of mind. So it, being post-cast member or living back at home, you do have to go back to what it was like before being a cast member and just try to find ways to immerse yourself in that magic when you're not physically there. It's interesting that you mentioned and you brought up, uh, you mentioned earlier that a lot of times you're able to grab that 360 audio from the attractions to be able to share that. Um, there used to be a podcast way back in the day, and I can't even remember how many years ago it was, but um, the host would just set up his audio equipment on his body and walk through the different parks. And he wouldn't speak directly to the mics and, and wouldn't speak directly to the listeners, but you would just hear him you know, walk down Main Street, interact with different guests, interact with different cast members. And to me, that was one of the most immersive experiences was to get that audio of you could tell exactly where he was. You know, okay, now he's passing Casey's Corner. Now he's walking into Tomorrowland. That was just such an immersive uh, experience, even more so than video. So it's, it's interesting how much the parks can play on our senses. Yeah, it's incredible how those experiences can just bring you right back, something as simple as audio. 
And unfortunately, somewhere along the way, I lost track of that podcast, and I've never been able to find it again. So if any of our listeners know know the name of that podcast, please reach out to me and share that with me so I can, uh, and then I'll relay to, to all of our listeners as well, put it in the show notes. Real quick, I'm going to share this episode's trivia giveaway question. So the question this week is, Capital Cities ABC was purchased by Disney in 1995. What was the sale price for that acquisition? If you're not a mergers and acquisitions expert and you don't know the answer to that, I'll tell you exactly where you can find it. Head over to episode 29 of the Imaginaire podcast and Matthew shares it in that episode. Come back, send it to me at detourtoneverland.com or at my Instagram at detourtoneverland underscore podcast. Okay, so moving on to the lightning round, and Matt, you and I talked about this offline. Some of your listeners who are jumping over here to Detour to Neverland for the first time uh, might find this next list of questions, uh, they might be a little familiar with them, I guess, Um, but we both independently came up with a very similar list of questions to ask our guests. So I guess it just means that they're they're really great questions to ask uh, Disney fans. Yeah, it's amazing how that happened. (laughs) It's just, I think they're the right questions to ask then. I guess so. So, cool. Uh, the first one that we'll jump through is name the Disney parks that you have visited. Yeah, I've been to Walt Disney World, all four theme parks, which, you know, Magic Kingdom, Epcot, Disney's Hollywood Studios, Disney's Animal Kingdom. I've been to Typhoon Lagoon. I've not been to Blizzard Beach. I've been to uh, Disney Springs, which I think you even mentioned is a park, and especially now, is pretty much its own full-day park. Uh, I've been to both parks at Disneyland. Um Disneyland Park and Disney California Adventure Park, a downtown Disney there as well. And most recently have been to Disneyland Paris. I uh, visited both uh, Disneyland Paris Park as well as the uh, Walt Disney Studios uh, Park over there. And hopefully someday, my next my next goal is to get to the Tokyo Parks. Good deal. So which one of those is your favorite and why? You know, it's really going to depend on the day, but I know that's a horrible answer, so I will give a direct answer. My favorite park right now is Animal Kingdom. Um, part of it might be bias that I used to work there and I grew an appreciation from being a cast member there, but it's the one park where I feel that you can walk around for hours and still not catch everything. Just the level of detail in there, it, you know, the imagineering genius of Joe Rody having developed that park, it really feels like an authentic wild experience. And I just love that park so much. And especially now with Pandora being open and it being a, a full day park experience, it, offer something different at night. Um, you know, if you asked me five years ago, I would have probably said Epcot, but lately it's really been Animal Kingdom for me. I gotcha. That's a great choice. So next would be a Disney bucket list trip. I There's there's a couple things I'd want to do um, for sure, just because of everything I've heard. And I know people who've gone here going to Tokyo Disney and especially Tokyo Disney Sea is something that's high on my bucket list of Disney experiences. But the other piece is Adventures by Disney, which is a much more premium experience. Um, I don't think I could uh, afford to do that right now, but you know, taking an Adventures by Disney to somewhere like Italy or um, that'd probably be my top, my top pick actually for a country to go to with them, but uh, anywhere to explore and bring literally Disney with me to another country would be really incredible. Yeah, and you mentioned that you listen to WDW radio as well. 
And I don't know if you heard Lou's episode where um, they did their troop report coming back where they did Adventures by Disney and went to yeah. Tokyo and Hong Kong. Yep. And I can't remember if they went to Shanghai as well. Um, but I think just hearing their their way of they, you get the cultural immersion of Adventures by Disney and then still get to visit the parks. I think that's just the absolute perfect trip. Exactly. Um, and I know one that my wife is earmarked is going to Greece and Italy with Adventures by Disney and then trying to hop up to Paris and, and go to Disneyland Paris. So I, I can I completely agree that that's a, that's a great vacation out there. Definitely. So next one is going to be your favorite Disney resort. It, this is going to sound familiar. <laughs> it's actually Disney's Animal Kingdom Lodge um, for similar reasons that I love the park. And it's, I say it's like stripping the park of the attractions and putting resort rooms. And that to me is, you know, and then adding a, a layer of luxury. And that's Disney's Animal Kingdom Lodge. Um, but if it's food and wine time, then it's got to be the boardwalk. Just having that close walking distance to Epcot uh, through the world, through the uh, International Gateway into World Showcase is a really great place to stay. And I love that resort too. But number one is, is the Animal Kingdom Lodge. Perfect. Well, it's a great time to mention that you recently did an episode on Walt Disney World resorts, um, and I think it, you didn't just give reviews, period. You went through your favorite value, your favorite moderate, uh, your favorite pools, and, and really broke it down. It was a very extensive list that, that you and Katie were able to run through. Thank you. Yeah, we we had we almost struggled to keep it just as short as an hour because I had other questions to ask. <laughs> oh, yeah, I can imagine. So next would be your favorite ride or attraction. This one is also going to sound familiar, but you know, when thinking about this question, because it does go back and forth, I, I realized that a way to identify which attraction is your favorite, because I, I never, I always thought about like, how can you even decide, is to think about the attraction you would wait for the longest. Um, and for me right now is Flight of Passage. I don't know if you notice a theme right now, but um, you know, I've, I know you know, you had the chance to ride it, Brendan, and I know you had amazing thoughts. And it, same here, like I've been on it now three, four times, and I still will wait. I'll happily wait two hours for that if I'm visiting the parks. Um, you know, it's the for right now, and I think we'll, maybe we'll look back on it in 20 years and think it's older technology, I'm sure. But at, at this point in time, in the year 2018, it's the pinnacle of theme park experiences and it's just an incredible attraction and ironically i mean i i do get motion sickness when it comes to simulators so i, I typically have to avoid things like star tours or mission space and flight of passage can be hit or miss for me there are days where i could ride it and it'd be i'll be fine there are days i can ride it and feel nauseous and most other attractions if i feel nauseous on them i'm like no nah, i'm done that's it like i experienced it i'm good Flight of Passage is the only one I'm like, all right, so how can I how can I make sure that I'm fully immersed, that I can completely experience this and, you know, not suffer motion sickness and have it ruin my day and <laughs> just like it's the one thing I will do anything possible to ride it and, uh, you know, try to try not to succumb to motion sickness. So <laughs> but it's my favorite ride right now. Perfect. So next would be your favorite snack or a go to snack. Uh, this one's tough, too. I think that. It's classic, but a Mickey Premium Bar is one of my favorite things. It's just so nostalgic and just, you know, it's it melts quickly in the summer heat. But if you're walking down Main Street or in any park and just pick up a Mickey Premium Bar, it's a great way to cool off in the heat and just, uh, I mean, it's Mickey-shaped, it's ice cream, it's classic, what's not to love. 
That reminds me in that same episode where you went through the resorts uh, that Katie mentioned that her family uh, went down and <laughs> bought like a hundred Mickey bars and yeah. transported them back uh, to their home. And I, I thought that was hilarious. And, and we recently drove down to Walt Disney World and then driving back to Tennessee, I thought, man, we really missed an opportunity uh, to bring back some Mickey bars. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, can't do that flying down, but uh, definitely if you're driving, it's worth trying. Yeah, I'd love to see you explain that to TSA uh, <laughs> to bargain with them on why you need to bring back 100 Mickey bars. Yeah, that probably won't go over well. I, don't, I wish. So disclaimer, this is something that I borrowed from your podcast, so it might sound familiar. Um, so the question is favorite restaurant, but I'll narrow it down for you like you do on your show uh, and do favorite quick service and favorite table service restaurant. You're, you're doing me a service by asking me to split it up because that makes it a lot easier. Um, favorite quick service, I, I feel like a broken record, is Satuli Canteen. Um, it used to be, prior to Satuli Canteen, it was Sunshine Seasons at Epcot. I would be there, especially on the college program. I was there at least once a week. Uh, absolute amazing food there. But since Satuli Canteen opens, absolutely my number one, the entire experience of that place and not just the ambiance, but the quality of the food, the price of the food, the presentation of the food, complete five-star counter service. It's hard to find someplace that's better in my opinion. Um, and then for full service, it, uh, restaurant, California grill, just the, again, the combination of the, the ambiance, the overall experience being on the 15th floor of the contemporary resorts, um, it is signature dining, so it's a little pricey, and I don't eat there often, but it makes for a really nice occasion, um, a really great place to celebrate something special, and is a place I went to even as a kid, and I still think to this day is an incredible restaurant to go to. That's great. And I think with Satuli, something, and I heard somebody say this the other day, that they hadn't had a chance to go to Satuli yet because the line was out the door and the, and the dining room was flooded. And, you know, I think with mobile ordering and with the way that they've set that restaurant up, that Disney is really able to flex their efficiency muscles and show you what they can do to get people in and out in a rapid pace uh, without rushing you. But, you know, you place your order and you get it in a very short time period. And it seems like they always have a table ready for you. They're not letting people sit down without their food. Uh, so I think I would encourage anybody who has not been able to go to Setuli that don't let the big crowd scare you away because uh, with the with the new setup of how they're doing things, they're able to get people in and out quickly. Definitely. I completely agree, too. Never had a problem getting a table there. So next, we'll be taking it outside of the parks and asking your favorite Disney movie. So this is going to be, I know there's different categories. As a whole, it's The Lion King. Um, between the music, the story, even the fact that it's based off of Hamlet, so it's it's classic storytelling, true classic storytelling, adapted in an animated setting. Um, it it combines the music of Elton John and one of my favorite composers, Hans Zimmer. Um, it I just it's one of the few movies I could watch over and over again and not get tired of it. So let's get your verdict. Are you excited or apprehensive for the live action Lion King coming out? I am excited because I trust John Favreau. <laughs> Um, from what he's done between Iron Man, really, I mean, Iron Man is what really set, um, you know, Marvel into the era that it is today. Um, that was like the first true amazing Marvel movie that has brought us this whole Avenger series. 
And even I was a little skeptical about the Jungle Book, but I have to say he made it better than the animated movie. And so if he can do that with Jungle Book, I'm optimistic. It might not be better than the original, but he's a Disney fan himself. He's an excellent director. I'm excited to see what he produces, and I hope he uh, he delivers. I think he will. Yeah, exactly. And I think one of my biggest things with those live-action remakes of the classics um, is that is the music going to transfer over? And I think yeah. with Jungle Book, John Favreau showed that he's able to still pay homage to the original songs, do them in a new way, though, that fits the new uh, kind of storyline and how they're presenting the story uh, in the live action. So I think with Donald Glover and Beyonce um, on his cast for The Lion King, then he's got a lot of capabilities for what he can do with those songs. Yeah, and he got James Earl Jones back. So that'll be incredible, too. Good deal. So that is a great segue into next question, which is your favorite Disney song. Yeah, this one is incredibly tough. Um, but if I, you know, it should come from my favorite movie. So favorite Disney song is probably the uh, the Circle of Life. Um, classic song. Again, uh, just brilliant songwriting. Um, iconic. And even from like literally from the first note, you know exactly what song it is. Great choice. So last question of the lightning round is your favorite Disney memory. I have, I'm going to share from two different angles for you because um, there's the cast angle and then there's the the non-cast angle. So I have, I can't even begin to tell you how many amazing experiences as a cast member. Uh, One of the things I actually regret is not keeping a diary or a vlog or a blog while I was a cast member in the college program specifically because I'm starting to slowly like fade some of the details of some of those memories. But um, most iconic memory for me was that first day of putting on my badge as a cast member, just knowing that it's something I, I dreamed about when I was a kid and made it happen, you know, worked hard towards it and just made it happen. And that was such an incredible experience just that first day knowing I'm now officially a cast member for the Walt Disney Company. I'm working in a Disney park. I'm working on an e-ticket attraction. What could get better than this? Um, and then from a you know more of a personal side, non-cast member related, um, the first trip that my wife and I went on to Walt Disney World together, uh, at the time we were just dating, um, that was also really memorable because she was she had gone to Walt Disney World with her family, but they were there's different types of families that go to Disney. They were the e-ticket family, so they did the big attractions and then they went home. And so she didn't get that level of uh, you know complete experience in the parks. So even at Epcot, we went to Epcot together. The only thing she had really done was Test Track and Soarin' um, and Spaceship Earth, and that was it. So getting the chance to say like you know let's walk around the countries at a slower pace and let's walk through the Morocco pavilion and see all the detail that's in here and seeing her going like, wow, I wish like we had done this when I was growing up. And now it's, you know, it's gotten to the point where we both have, we both love going to Disney the exact same way, which, which makes it very easy for us. Um, but I, I loved that first, uh, that experience of, uh, going to the parks together and just seeing her almost, it's almost like it was her first time going to the parks cause it was just a completely different experience. Those are both great. Thank you so much for sharing those. And I think so many people can relate with those stories for sure. And it's interesting that you mentioned that there's two different types of park goers because my wife and I are having those same conversations as we speak where we know that we cannot keep up with the same pace that we've had 
um, in our previous trips that, you know, we get to the end of the day and we say, oh, well, we rode a lot of attractions, but we didn't take any of the pictures that we wanted to, or we didn't walk through, you know, the stores or, or the different educational aspects that we wanted to. So, um, I think there's a, a kind of a double-sided coin where there's the, you can prep and, and plan that you're going to approach the parks in one way, but for, for whatever reason, whenever we step through the gates, I guess we just get involved with the group and we just start, you know, bolting and, and yep. end up wearing ourselves out and not getting to experience the parks in a more thoughtful and, and intentional manner. Definitely. And by the way, I loved uh, hearing about your proposal story. That was really cool. Um, I did not propose in Disney, but it was... Uh, I always like hearing about Disney proposals, and that was uh, just a really cool story. I love how you're able to propose to your uh, you know, girlfriend, now wife. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, definitely many months of planning went into it, um, and thankfully without went on without a hitch. But it'll be interesting. She's actually going to be in the episode airing right after this one, so I guess tomorrow uh, is when her episode will drop. And, and on there, I was able to ask her kind of her perspective of the proposal and I was especially interested in knowing when was the moment that she knew that it was happening. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested in hearing that too. Awesome. Yeah, I'm excited for everybody to hear it. Um, so our last question is something that we ask all of our guests. Um, and it's if there's someone out there and they have this passion or this love for Disney and they're looking for the right medium to express it, what would be your piece of parting guidance to that person? So it's something that it's a great question. And Uh, It's something that I always hesitated to do because I knew that there was just so many people doing it, right? It's, there's, you can listen to countless Disney podcasts out there. Just, you know, I chose to go with the podcast medium, but all the YouTubers, all the, the Instagram profiles are crazy. There's like tens of thousands of Disney Instagram pages. And at one point I just said to myself, you know, it's what I love to do. I'm just going to start doing it. And if I get an audience, awesome. If people find this valuable, great. If not, I'm just going to do it. You know, it's something I love to do. And, you know, there's a, um, I think Walt always talked about just, uh, you know, the best way to get started is to, uh, quit talking and begin doing. And I'd always just thought about doing it and never started doing it. And then just one day I said, I'm going to start doing it. And so that's, that's the advice I would offer is think about what you love the most about Disney. Is it the parks? Is it the movies? Is it in my case, all things Disney? <laughs> um, what angle would you present that from? What channel would you be happy uh, sending that through every day? And it could be a blog, could be Instagram, could be a combination of things. Um, and the other thing is to think about your, and I think this goes back to just Disney being a Disney cast member and, and how I try to uh, create my podcast and my my community is think about your brand, think about the story you're trying to tell, stay committed to that, and stay committed to quality. Um, there are literally podcast episodes I've recorded. I've spent you know a couple hours thinking about planning, recording, and at the end I listen back and I'm like, you know what, it's no good, I'm not going to put it up, and uh, maybe I'll try it again a different way. Sort of staying committed to quality, but ultimately, if you love to do it, just do it. Um, and the other piece is, a lot of people think about like, how can I make money doing this right away? Um, chances are, it's going to be really hard to do that. Um, if you're in it for the money, 
solely. Uh, might want to rethink what you're doing, but um, you know, don't worry about the money piece of it. Uh, if you if you can afford to just do it, and if you have something else lined up already, if a full time career or even you know a job um, that you can rely on, just do this for the fun of it, um, and that will be a lot more rewarding. And then if the money comes later, great. If not, then just just love what you do. That's brilliant. I mean, I couldn't have shared that better myself. So I, I thank you so much for sharing that with our listeners. And, and hopefully that's able to connect with someone uh, and steer them down, down the right path. And I think something that bears uh, repeating and it and kind of echoes a point that, that you made is that I was reading the other day and, and they said, you know, if you feel like you have something to share with the world and you don't act on it, you're really doing yourself and the world a disservice that you never know who you're going to be able to connect with, no matter how small the numbers um, that if there, there's somebody out there who may need to hear your message, and if you hold that back and you don't take that leap, um, then then you're ultimately, you know, like I said, doing yourself and the world a disservice. Yeah, of course. I 100%, 100% agree with you. So thank you. Well, perfect. Well, I think we covered so many great topics. And Matt, I thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your knowledge and, and sharing your experiences because I think our listeners are able to get so much value out of that. So I truly appreciate it. Um, if you're not already, uh, please go make sure you follow and f- subscribe to Matt's podcast at the Imagineer podcast. He has so many great episodes. I can tell you, I've been following along, uh, for quite some time now, and I always get so excited when a new episode drops cause Matt really does a great job of, of exploring the different Disney topics in the Disney universe. So Matt, is there anything else that you want to share with our listeners before we head off? No, I think, Brenton, you kind of hit it there. Definitely check us out. Uh, I would encourage you even just to listen to, you know, take a look at what the podcast episodes we have. We cover a wide range of Disney topics. See if there's one you're interested in and just to listen to it. If you love it, you know, I would love for you to subscribe. Um, and if there's anything that you guys ever want to see on our podcast, um, like I said earlier, I am, I make it very personal. So just feel free to DM my Instagram page. I will be the person responding to you and, you know, happy to start that conversation with you. Um, but yeah, if there's anything you guys ever want to see on my podcast, let me know. And, um, for my podcast listeners who might be listening to this podcast, just to hear this interview, make sure you subscribe to Detour to Neverland as well. <laughs> to hear all their other great podcast episodes. Awesome. Yeah. I truly appreciate that. I'd love if anybody would like to, uh, hear some more of our episodes and subscribe to see what else, uh, we have big plans of, of how we're going to uh, continue sharing that Disney love and, and helping people find the right way to express it. So if you're interested in that, I'd love to have you on board. So Matt, with that, thank you so much again for joining us. I look forward to following along with the Imagineer podcast uh, and seeing what else you guys get into and, and you guys keep up the great work. And, and yeah, thanks again. Definitely. Thanks again for the opportunity, Brandon. Thank you for listening to Detour to Neverland. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. Visit our website at DetourToNeverland.com to catch up on the blog. Also, don't forget to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at DetourToNeverland underscore podcast. Have a great day.